as you just take your seats for a couple of minutes. And um, uh, great to have you here. Pray God blesses you in, uh, in absolute abundance. Amen. On this very cold morning, lots of rain. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Lots of rain, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. It rains always great, except when you, you have to do stuff. Right. Uh, I, I was at uh, Harley yesterday morning and I could see all these guys. They're all ready to go on the ride. And it was pouring with rain, all standing there. whole lot of disappointed Harley dry riders with all their, their jackets on, all their badges on and all their beards, etc. All disappointed. Amen. <laughs> but I wasn't because I was in my car. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, so... Um, Welcome to everyone. Just to let you know, this week, uh, my wife and I will be off the grid. So if you're going to contact us, we ain't available. All right, because we we we're going to wait and we need to seek the Lord as well, Monday to Friday. And then the following week, 1st to the 5th of August, uh, we're going to be doing some revival prayer in the mornings, 6.30 in the morning, every morning. I want to challenge you and stir you. I believe that it's time to get back to God. Really, it's time to get back and seek the face of God. You know, let's not, let's not get lulled into sleep. Because the church right now has been lulled all over into a sleep. And we have to stir and, and be ready and prepare ourselves for revival because the only thing that's going to change this nation is when the church is in revival. And that means that we ourselves personally take responsibility for revival. Somebody say amen. Come on. So we're going to be doing that. And then, you know, I, I, and why do I say that? Because I read this week in, in uh, New South Wales, in Sydney, um, there's is a parent that was pretty upset. He went to pick up his five-year-old child, five years old. And he saw the whole wall plastered with all the transgender stuff and everything possible. Five years old. Grooming our kids. And he got upset. He took his child out. You know what happened next? You can read it in the newspapers, in the newspaper. It's not something that, it's not a conspiracy theory. You know what happened? Next thing, police were knocking at his door. Because they called the police on him. Well, you know, we got to make a stand. Amen. So, it's one of the reasons why we're bringing, we're having momentum in uh, uh, a Wednesday night in September. One of the reasons why we're bringing James Parker, who used to be a, a, uh, a gay activist in London, how God radically changed his life. And uh, he'll be sharing his story, but the stories that he's experiencing here in Perth, because he lives in Perth, married, wonderful family. But the calls that he's get, getting nonstop from kids and people all over because they're caught up in the system and, and this whole gender issue is so militant that people are fearful to come out of it. They don't know what to do. But here's the problem. is the church often doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to answer this thing. And we need answers. We need to prepare ourselves. Because your kids, your grandkids are going to face this. And if we don't know what to say, amen, I'm not afraid to talk about this stuff. That's why we have to, Equip the church. You thinking, uh, well, we just come and sing happy songs on a Sunday and that's it. No, there's a little bit more to what we are facing in this day and age. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. 
So, so the gospel is the answer. Our responsibility is to bring people to Christ and bring them and conform them to the image of God. But, we are, but there are some things that we're going to have to face and deal with and understand what is happening out there. We cannot think it's not happening because it's happening more radically in this nation than one would believe. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, it doesn't happen in Perth. Oh, Really? Really? You'd be surprised what's happening here. Very surprised. It was happening in our primary schools, kindergartens, high schools, so and unis specifically. So we are going to be doing that. And so, you know, we are called to bring deliverance to a nation. We're not called to bring inclusivity. It's not what we're called to. Amen. And I'll just take a little bit of time to talk about this. So, um, and as, uh, just want to say thank you to the media, week in, week out, also doing a great job. So thank you, media. You guys are really great. As, uh, you know, as with all our volunteers, but I, I know, I know sometimes I wanted to thought, I meant to say it last week, but sometimes they're on the short end of the stick with me. But, uh, but we really do honor and respect them and love them. Amen. And uh, they're always looking for volunteers. So uh, you can volunteer. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so, uh, and I want to encourage you again to get into home cells. You know, our, our home cells are exploding everywhere. They really are overflowing. We multiply one and then the next one is overflowing. But the amazing testimonies I've heard just, you know, of, of all the home cells, the caring and specifically one home cell, just the caring of people and the sharing and the caring, because that's what it's about. It's about looking after each other. Amen. It's about the body in action. And so, so just thank you to those home cell leaders and people that really pay the price and uh, really stand with each other. So this morning, I'm not ministering, as you all know. All right. Well, you don't know, but now you know. But uh, so I'm going to just ask Nalini just to just come up. Nalini is a wonderful young lady. Well, I knew her as a young lady. All right. In, uh, she was our worship leader, uh, worship leader at CRC London, uh, with a family, her husband who's who's in Melbourne. Uh, so she was born in Zimbabwe, right? Uh, Zim, were you born in Zim? Where were you born? I was born in India. Oh, India. Okay, all right. Okay, but you stayed in Zim, right? Who stayed in Zim? I lived in Zimbabwe. Yes. Okay, there yes. we go. And um, so she's been in London for many, many years, and then came to Australia. And he's now in Melbourne. She's in uh, Hillsong, Melbourne. Wonderful, wonderful woman of God. I knew you as a young lady. You're still a young lady, right? <laughs> and uh, with your son Bjorn, your husband couldn't make it. But it's great to have you here. And uh, I know you've got something to share, something to give us. And I know God's going to bless each and every single person here today. But thank you for being here. Thank you for being faithful to God. Thank you for just always honoring God despite what you've gone through in your life. So, and your wonderful parents, wonderful, wonderful people of God. Really love them, and I'm sure they're watching, and so we say hello to them. It's great, great to have you here. Amen. So let's just give Nalini a great big round of applause as she ministers. Oh, it's such a blessing to be here this morning. Can we please just honor Pastor Clive and Sharon this morning? Thank you for your leadership. I just felt really strongly this morning during the worship 
to remind you that the years of toil, the years of breaking ground are done. The season this house is moving into is a season of building and establishing, okay? So I give praise to God for what he's going to do today. Oof, I can feel the presence of God in this place. <laughs> okay, Lord, you got to, I need to sing now. <laughs> Father, I just want to lift up this morning before you. Thank you that you are God, you are on the throne. And Lord, I pray that you will touch every single person here this morning. Father God, activate something within their spirit. Today's a day of activation. And we give you praise in Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to sing a song for you this morning. It is called New Scars Heal. And oh, I've got a few scars. <laughs> but God is faithful. Okay, may it bless you. I can still remember how the cold air stung my nose the day he broke the news I knew. That it all changes Struggling to embrace my new reality How will I face this world in front of me? Yeah, it all changes I'm still the same girl that I used to be Just wearing a new scarf New scars here, new scars here, new scars here, new scars here. Scarlet slice can be from want of trying. Scarlet is the color when a dream dies. Time for bleeding changes. Won't surrender now or ever my dream Got to wait till winter melts and leaves me free Yeah, spring is budding I'm still the same girl that I used to be Just wearing a new scar Come on, sing with me New, new scars here scars here new 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 scars here when the dream Yes. 
sing. New scars heal. 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 Spirit of God, I welcome you here in this place. I ask that you have your way in us this morning. Have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Oh, the presence of God is in this place. Wow. Oh, he is at work. He is at work. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I truly believe that the darker the days become, the more ripened the fields are for harvest. However, I just want you to turn to Luke chapter 10, verse two. And it reads this. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Could I just have a little bit more fallback, please? Um, Just in front here. Thank you. Okay, so why are the laborers few? I mean, we have a full house here this morning. So, what's the issue? Is the question. So, for those of you who like a heading, It is this, the ripple of the rebuild. Turn to your neighbour and say this, fasten your (laughs) seatbelt and get ready for takeoff. (laughs) I was invited to speak at a conference back in in, in London back in April and I had the joy of staying in this mock Tudor mansion that had been converted into apartments. And I've got the most gorgeous photo to show you of this grand estate. Oh my goodness, I have a thing for architecture. So of course, as soon as I pulled up to this place, I was besotted. (laughs) Anyway, halfway through my trip, I went to go and visit family and spend some time with them for the weekend. And I woke up Saturday morning to an email from the owner of the apartment that I was staying at to say, sorry to tell you this, but the apartment above you caught fire in the night. They had to have the emergency services out at three o'clock 
in the morning, and he sent through these pictures, which I'm going to show you now. So the emergency services had to evacuate the whole building, and then they had to try and rescue this building, okay? It was a miracle, to be honest. We can go to the next one. It was a miracle that the building didn't collapse in its entirety. This is the damage of the apartment immediately above where I was staying. It was absolutely horrific. Praise God, no one was hurt. We're just going to stop on this one for a second. As I photographs, I felt the Spirit of God quicken to me that these images are a reflection of the condition of the church across the world right now. I couldn't understand it at first, but then the Spirit of God showed me a scene from my own life that helped it all make sense. And I'm going to share that scene with you today. Okay, are you ready? My husband Sandra and I had just gotten back from Italy, and we were spending the evening catching up with our sons, who were 20 and 17 at the time. And my eldest son, Ramon, is here today, and he's around here somewhere with his camera. You'll be able to catch up with him at the end. And we had a lovely evening with them, decided to go to bed early, because, you know, jet lag's a real place, and were woken at three o'clock in the morning to the banging on our front door. So my husband went down. I had to gather my thoughts. I didn't even know where we were, to be honest. <laughs> Made my way and, and joined him to see him standing beside two police officers at our front door. They went on to advise that they had received multiple reports throughout the course of the night from different sources to say that our youngest son had been threatening to commit suicide. It felt like a fire had just ripped through my home. What unearthed in the days, weeks, and months that followed was the exposure to an underworld that I never envisioned we as a family would ever be exposed to. Our boys' threats of suicide was not the problem. It was a cry for help. It became apparent that our son had fallen into the city of Melbourne's underbelly of drugs and gangs, and to say that we were ill-equipped is an understatement. His behavior became extremely erratic and dangerous. We didn't know if his affiliates knew where we lived. He became a danger to live with, and it got to the point where we had to give him an ultimatum. This was the worst conversation I've ever had to have with one of my children. 
and we had to sit him down at the table and we started off with, son, we love you. We are for you. But you cannot live a double life. And so you have two options. And the first is this. You admit that you have a problem and then we will do everything in our power to help you get the help that you need. Or number two, you deny that you have a problem, then you'll have to leave. You cannot live under our roof if you choose this life. My heart was beating in my chest so fast as we waited to hear what he had to say. And then he blurted out, I do not have a problem. The worst moment was hearing him pack his bags and slam the front door behind him as he left. We were broken, we were devastated. Our lives as a family felt as though it had gone up in smoke. How were we going to fix this? Fast forward to the fire in London, the last photo I received of the house fire sent shivers down my spine. When I saw this picture, I felt the Spirit of God say to me, look up, kid. Look beyond the destruction. Look beyond the devastation. Look beyond the charred remains because I am building my church. Woo! Matthew 16, verse 18 to 19, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Sometimes when we hear the words church, we think building, physical structure. But when Jesus says, I will build my church, He means you and me. Oh, okay. So going back to that picture, here's my question for you today. What charred remains are you facing in your life today? Maybe it's a marriage on the brink of collapse. Maybe it's your career, your finances, or your health is in tatters. Maybe it's your children who have walked away from the Lord. Or maybe you are so overwhelmed by the depth of darkness across the earth today that you're scared and anxious and have lost hope for tomorrow. Whatever it is, 
I am here to say, God is building his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Okay, so what does the rebuild look like after a fire? Huh. Yep. It ain't pretty. It's not glamorous. No one wants to be there. It's uncomfortable, okay? There's tradespeople walking in and out, mud everywhere. There's danger signs all over the place. The scaffolding is gross. It doesn't work with this mock Tudor glorious property. Now, for my family, the scene of the rebuild was this. It was 4 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon, a day that I wasn't usually home, and there was a knock on the front door. Now, you have to understand, when you're a mum a mum with a son living on the streets who's involved in drugs and gangs, you don't know from one day to the next who's going to come knocking on your door. So when I heard the door, I felt the all-familiar feeling of my heart in my chest, hair on the back of my neck, standing to attention, wondering, could it be the police to give me more harrowing news? I opened the door, and it was my son. He was gaunt, skeleton-like. I remember taking a step back because I could not believe the sight that was in front of me. And I welcomed him in. I made him a cup of tea. That's what we do. And I sat him in the dining room. And I asked him, and how's my boy doing? And he said, not so good, mum. We had our tea together. He went and ate. He showered and he slept. And I had to keep going. So I continued with my day. I had some clients that I was coaching that afternoon. And then that evening, he went for a drive with his dad. I was curled up on the sofa when they came home. My husband, Sandra, went to shower. And my boy came and sat immediately opposite me. And we'd had this scene play out a few times over the months that he'd been living on the street. And the usual was, we ask him, so where do you need us to drop you off tonight? Because he knew. He knew we loved him. He knew we were for him. But he knew that until he admitted that he had a problem, we couldn't help him. And for as long as he was going to continue living this life, he would have to do it outside from our home. So I asked him this usual question, where do you need us to drop you off tonight, love? And he said, I can't do this anymore, mum. I have a drug problem. I'm in trouble. And I need help. That was the beginning 
of the rebuild process in our lives. We knew we had to get him out of town. It was too dangerous for him to stay local. And so we called some friends who lived on a farm about three hours out of town and they said, come, we'll make up the beds, just come. And we got him in the car and we drove. We got him out of town. That weekend, he had an interview with a rehabilitation center in Sydney. They said, yep, you can come on Tuesday. So Monday, we did the eight hour drive to Sydney stayed overnight, arrived at the rehabilitation center on Tuesday morning and was told, thank you, you can say your goodbyes and you can go. And they took him in and that was it. And we got back in the car and headed back to Melbourne. You might be thinking, oh yay, that was a quick rebuild process. Uh, No, not quite. It was a little messier than expected. My mental health declined literally in the car as we were going home. I ended up sitting with my doctor and was told that my nervous system had flipped a switch because I had been living in a heightened state of awareness continually and I needed help. And so I was put on a mental health care plan. I was diagnosed with chronic PTSD. I had to go and sit in a psychologist's office once a week for six months. So while my son was in rehabilitation, I too was in rehabilitation. But here's what I learned. Sometimes the rebuild is instant. God heals in a flash, right? But at other times, the rebuild is messy and it's grueling. For us, we had to roll up our sleeves, we had to commit to the process, and we had to persevere. We had to do our part in our journey towards healing. You know, sometimes you go to these healing crusades and you have the guy in the wheelchair who goes forward for prayer, and then he leaves in the wheelchair and everyone's disappointed because God hasn't healed him. Well, maybe his healing is an instant. Maybe his healing is a journey. Maybe there's some decisions that he needs to make in his life. Maybe there's some sin he needs to let go of. Maybe there's some people he needs to forgive, right? For some of us, it's a process. Let me give you an example from the Bible where someone had to do their part in their healing journey. The scene plays out at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. It was where the sick would gather, okay? And once a year, the Lord would send an angel to stir the pool and whoever was the first to get into the water after the stirring would be healed. And it's found in John 5, verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he knows, he knows. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Hmm. Okay. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Now, excuses. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. 
So this man had to play a part in his healing. He had to get up. He had to pick up his bed and he had to walk. He had to take responsibility. Church, our lives are in partnership with God, okay? When we partner with Him and do our bit towards our healing and restoration, God comes in and does what only He can, right? He rebuilds the whole estate from the inside out. Oh, but here's the greatest miracle of all. Not only does our commitment to the rebuild affect our personal life, it has a ripple effect on the lives of those around us. Oh Oh my gosh. Okay, so here is what the ripple of the rebuild looked like in my life. Okay, you ready? Okay, my son has been clean from drugs for three years now. (laughs) He got his placement back at chef school and is in his final years of studies. He is working for a top restaurant and has begun to dream again about opening his own restaurant. His physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being is better today than it ever has been. But not only that, My husband and I's marriage has been restored. I have recovered from my own battles with depression, anxiety, and I am free from my diagnosis of chronic PTSD. (laughs) My eldest has recovered from the impact and he's here with me today filming and ministering to you and he's going to give you CDs and books at the end. And wow, the relationship between my two sons has been restored. I had a very protective firstborn son and he hated what my youngest son was doing. He hated it. But their relationship has now been restored. The relationship between the four of us has been restored. And now I'm standing here today sharing this story with you all because God is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay, so what is the ripple of the rebuild? It is revival. (laughs) Your pastor said it earlier, it is revival. Okay, I believe with every ounce of my being that God wants to revive every area of your life. And in doing so, He will revive everyone you come in contact with. That's the power of our testimony. You see, when your world sees the change in you, how can they not be impacted? How can they not? Come on, church, let's stand. Let's just stand for a moment. Can we just give God some praise in this place? You are a restorative God. You are a healing God. I remember there was a day I said to my husband, I feel broken 
and I don't think I will ever be healed from this. But God has healed me. God has healed me and He wants to do the same for you. There are some of you here today who are in need of the scaffolding of the Spirit of God to hold you together while He does His rebuild on the inside of you. But you have to want it. He's not going to force it. And you have to be willing to partner with God through the process, okay? You have to partner with Him. I'm gonna sing a song over you right now. Well, I'm gonna try. And as I do, just want you to allow the Spirit of God to come and minister to you. And if what I've shared today has resonated with you, and you're like, Nalini, that's me. I need a touch from heaven. Then as I sing, I wanna encourage you to open up your hands towards heaven and receive. And then when I'm done singing, I am going to pray for each and every one of you whose hands are raised. Okay, just give me a second while I um, have a sip. Oh, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, come, come and minister to the crevices within the hearts of your people this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you want to saturate your people with your goodness. Thank you that healing and restoration is in the shadow of your wings. And Lord, your children choose to position themselves in the shadow of your wings this morning. So Father, help my voice, help me sing these words over your people. And you come and you do your thing. In Jesus' name.
Today's word was for you. Just raise your hands towards heaven. If you have someone near you whose hands are raised, just gather around them. Come on, church. Just gather around those whose hands are raised. Let's intercede and pray for our people. And I'm going to pray for each one of you now. Spirit of God, you that you are about healing and restoration. Thank you that we are seeing the embers of revival breaking out and you're going to do a healing work on the inside of your people so that the laborers are no longer few because we all have a part to play. But I know for me, I couldn't get up and and lead and give into the house of the church when I was broken. So Father, right now, come, come for every hand raised. Lord God, touch your people, touch your people, touch your people afresh. Bring healing where healing is needed. Bring restoration where restoration is needed. Father God, come Spirit of God, touch your people, have your way, have your way. Lord, for those whose healing is instant, thank You. 
Father, for those whose healing is going to be a journey, Your people are positioning themselves right now and they're saying, I'm in. I'm in for the journey, but I want healing on the other end. I declare healing on the other end. And Father God, I thank You that healing is their portion. Restoration is their portion. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen.